new season and are excited about the next chapter God has planned for you. If you're single, we celebrate your strength, beauty, and individuality and join with you in praying for the desires of your heart. If you're a single mom and wonder if you have the physical energy and financial resources to raise and provide for your child or children, we want to help you, and we will. And if you're pregnant for the first time, we prayerfully anticipate with you the joyful birth of a healthy child. And to all the special women on this Mother's Day, Rest and delight in knowing that we are thankful for you, and we celebrate each and every one of you. Amen. All right, so today we give it up to all you moms. You guys are amazing. We're here to celebrate with you. You know, this, is, this day is a joyous day for many, but for some it's not, and we, we acknowledge that, we recognize that, we want to be here for, for all, and we want to, no matter where we are, we always want to look to Jesus and, and look to the hope of his resurrection and, and the hope of, of what he brings. So moms, be blessed today. We've got a gift for all the moms on the way out. Please take care of that. Uh, you know, take, take one on your way out. And kids, if you're here and you don't have a present for your mom, I got really good news for you. There's a flower shop down the road. You can pick your mom up a present there. Um, but these are for moms to take, not for kids to take home and give to their moms, all right? Just trying to make that clear. Um, and now, if you want some Mother's Day humor, uh, go to our Facebook page. Go to our Instagram after service. We've got a funny Mother's Day video that we thought about showing, but we didn't show it. So um, you can take a look at that. It's all the things that moms don't say. So moms, you will probably get a kick out of that, I am sure. Um, so this morning, uh, we're going to be talking about it takes courage to be a mom, right? It takes courage to do a lot of things, but especially to be a mom, I know that it takes courage. I know because I was a kid once, and man, I gave my parents a run for their money. Um, I was number eight of eight kids. Uh, to say I was strong-willed, yeah, I'm still strong-willed today, but I was even more strong-willed when I was younger. Uh, and, you know, in every large family, I'm sure that, uh, you know, siblings can talk about stories, you know, that happened. I am sure without a shadow of a doubt, all of my siblings could zone in on a couple of stories about me going toe-to-toe with my dad, and it was explosive. Um, but you know what? Praise the Lord. My, my parents did not give up on me. They had every right to be tired after eight kids. They had every right to say, you know what, like we've raised enough and and we're just gonna let they didn't let me do my own thing my dad went toe-to-toe with me that was uh, at least early on that was my parenting style not always the best parenting style by the way um but moms you need courage to be a mom I, i'm thankful that i had a praying mom uh and and that that turned me around it was amazing to see but this morning we're going to be looking at courage in the bible and we're going to be looking at a story of Gideon and Judges. I don't know if you've ever read the Old Testament book Judges, but there's an amazing story here. And we're going to start in Judges 6, 11. It says, Then the angel of the Lord came and sat beneath the great tree. So whenever I see the word then, I'm like, well, what just happened that it's saying then for, right? And if you look in the, in the beginning part of Judges 6, the Israelite, the Israelites had turned from God. And we see this all throughout the Old Testament. It's like they're, they're, they're serving God, and then they're not serving God. They're serving... Well, they had, this was a period where they turned from God. They embraced the evil customs of the land. 
And as a result of their disobedience and idolatry, putting other gods before God, God delivered them into the hands of their enemies. So for seven years, they've been suffering the consequences. What does that look like? The Midianites and the Amalekites, they were so numerous, and they were attacking the Israelites at every, at every turn. They were stealing their crops. They're burning down their villages. They were just terrorizing the Israelites to the point where if you were an Israelite, you really didn't have any hope anymore of survival. So out of desperation, and this is what God does sometimes, he brings us to that point of desperation for him. Out of desperation, they cried out to the Lord, and God sent them a prophet. And the prophet exposed their sin, and then God sent an angel to the Lord, uh, an angel of the Lord to help prepare an unlikely champion for Israel's deliverance. And that leads us to this, then the angel came. So this is the angel coming after the prophet has come and exposed their sin and said, look, turn back to God. Like, why are you having so much difficulty? Because you've turned away from God. Turn back to God. Then the angel comes, and he comes to Gideon, son of Joash, who was threshing wheat at the bottom of a wine press to hide the grain from the Midianites. All right, I'll be honest. I've never threshed wheat. Anybody here? You've threshed wheat before? Anybody? Any wheat threshers in the midst, you know? Um, but here's what I know that I can look up. If you're going to thresh wheat, it looks like this. You got this big stalk of wheat and the grains is the stuff that you want. The, 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 you know, that's the good stuff. You got to take the wheat and you got to beat it on a threshing floor. And every time you beat it, the chaff has got to blow away and the grain falls. So that's why the threshing floor, it's flat. It's in an open area because you want the wind to blow. Threshing in a wine press, like wine press is about going down to your basement or maybe a basement and a half or two basements deep, right? That's what a wine press is. There's no wind, right? It's kind of hard to thresh in a wine press, but here's what a wine press is. It's very, it's very secret. People are not going to see you from a distance because you're underground. So Gideon is afraid. He doesn't want the Midianites or the Amalekites to know that he's threshing wheat because he's afraid they're going to come and steal his wheat. So he's threshing in a wine press. It's got to be hard to do that. Right? Do you ever feel like you're doing it, you know, there's the smart way and the hard way, and you're just doing it the hard way, right? You, aren't, you ever hear that term, work smarter, not harder, right? Well, he's just working hard, and it's frustrating. And the angel comes to him in this moment, verse 12. The angel of the Lord appears to him and says, Mighty hero, the Lord is with you. Sir, Gideon replied, if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? And where are all the miracles our ancestors told us about? Didn't they say the Lord brought us up out of Egypt, but now the Lord has abandoned us and handed us over to the Midianites? You know, have you ever looked at the situation that you're in and God comes to you just like he comes to Gideon? And Gideon didn't reply with, yes, Lord, as you say, let it be done. He's like, wait, 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 God. Say what? You're calling me a mighty hero? Wait a minute, God, if you were here, why did this happen? Why did this happen? Why did this happen? Everybody any, ever have those questions? God, why are you allowing all these things to happen? See, God is bigger than us. His ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. He allows things, always orchestrating to do what? To point us to the cross, to point us to Jesus. So Gideon makes a lot of excuses. He's like, Lord, why would you come to me? Like, my family is the, the lowest family. Let's look at what he says here, 12 through 15. Then the Lord said to him, go with the strength you have and rescue Israel from the Midianites. I'm sending you. 
But Lord Gideon replies, how can I rescue Israel? My clan's the weakest in the whole tribe of Manasseh, and I'm the least in my entire family. And the Lord said to him, I will be with you, and you will destroy the Midianites as if you were fighting against one man. See, when Gideon responds to the Lord, he's making excuses, isn't he? He's kind of pulling the victim card, like, God, I'm, my family is the least family, Lord, and I'm the least in my family, so why would you come and pick me? You know, God has a, has a habit, it seems, of picking people that might be unlikely. Look at the 12 disciples that he picked, right? He didn't pick people that were influencing others. He picked people that were, were just doing their thing, common, ordinary. They weren't at the top of their game. And God comes to Gideon because here's what God says about us. He knew you before you were formed. He saw you in the womb. Thank you, moms. Right? But he saw you in the womb before you even made, before you even came out. He knew who you were. God knows Gideon. And like, I don't know if you've ever read the New Testament in Hebrews 11, but Hebrews 11 lists all these people, all these men and women of faith. I call it the Hall of Fame for faith. Gideon is in the Hall of Fame for faith. Gideon's not starting off very faithful, right? He's starting off the lowest of the low. Like, I'm, my family's the least. I'm the least in my family. God, why would you ever pick me? So if you ever felt inadequate, then you're a candidate for God to use, right? That's what I'm seeing here. Gideon is coming, and he's, he's flaunting all of his weaknesses. God, I don't have anything. And God's like, yeah, but Gideon, I can, I can work with you. See, God will work with your doubt. He won't work with your pride. So if you got pride, lay it down. If you got doubt, bring it to God. God says, I can work with your doubt. Gideon was doubting God. He didn't, he didn't understand God, but God could work with that. And now God gives them a promise here at the end. He says, you will destroy the Midianites as if you are fighting against one man. Like Gideon, you're going to do this? So here's, here's my first takeaway. God sees something in Gideon that Gideon couldn't even see in himself at this moment. Gideon's like, I'm, I'm the least family in the, in the tribe of Manasseh, and I'm the least one in that family. But God's like, no, Gideon, I'm choosing you. Because I see something in you. And God chooses you and I as well. He sees something in us. He knows us before we were born. So Gideon is threshing wheat in a wine press because he's afraid. And God comes to him right in the middle of his fear. Isn't that good news? Right? God comes right in the middle of your fears, right in the middle of your despair. God is there. He meets us. So sometimes life is scary. For whatever reason, you may be feeling overwhelmed today. You're, you're kind of like Gideon. He didn't know where to turn. It had been seven years of torture and, and just oppression by the enemy. And now God comes to him and says, Mighty hero, you're going to conquer the enemy. Wow. So when I look at my circumstances, sometimes it's easy for me to be afraid. I'm like, yeah, these are scary circumstances. I'm in an area, I don't know what to do. This is territory I haven't gone, to, gone through before. But God says, look, would you trust me in the middle of that, Gideon? Will you believe the word that I'm, that I'm giving you? So the story continues, and I'm going to fast forward over a lot of it, but let me just fill in the blanks a little bit, right? Gideon goes on after this. He makes an offering to the Lord. God consumes the offering miraculously. Then God tells him, tear down the altars of Baal, which is the false religion of the day. Gideon tears it down. He does it in the middle of the night because he doesn't want anybody to know. Somehow they find out and they all come to Gideon and Gideon somehow it turns around. And now all the people are like, God's going to rescue us. 
So Gideon puts out a fleece before the Lord. He says, God, if, if you're really calling me to rescue Israel, then I'm going to put out this piece of lamb's cloth, and in the morning, let it be dry, and let all the, or let it be wet, let all the ground be dry. And in the morning it is. Just, just a piece of cloth is wet, everything's dry. Gideon's like, all right, that's not enough, not enough. Let's reverse it. God, now let it be, let it be dry, let all the ground be wet. God does it again. He's like, oh, shoot, dang. Is there another thing I can come up with? Right, God? God just proves himself to Gideon over and over again. So now he gathers 32,000 men of Israel to fight against the enemy. All right, if you're going to fight against the enemy, you want an army, don't you? Right, 32,000 men. He pulls them all together, and God goes, Gideon, it's too many. Right, so, so Gideon, go to the men and say, if you're afraid of fighting against the Amalekites and the Amalekites, or the Am- yeah, same, th- same thing, Midianites and Amalekites. If you're afraid of them, then you can leave. 32,000 goes to 10,000. 22,000 men left. And God's like, Gideon, still too many. All right, take them to the water, have them drink water, and then based on how they drank water, God set, tells Gideon, separate them, send all the men that drink water this way, send them home. He goes from 32,000 to 10,000 to 300. 300? You want me to do what, God? Like, you said you were going to fight the battle, but God, there's only 300 of this. 300 left, and now Gideon's going to fight the battle, and here's where we're going to pick up the story. It says, that night the Lord said, get up. He's talking to Gideon. Get up, go down to the Midianite camp, for I've given you victory over them. But if you're afraid to attack, then go down to the camp with your servant Pura. Listen to what the Midianites are saying, and you'll be greatly encouraged. Then you'll be eager to attack. So Gideon takes Pura and goes down to the edge of the enemy camp. The armies of Midian, Amalek, and the people of the east had settled in the valley like a swarm of locusts. Their camels were like the grains of sand on the seashore. Too many to count. Gideon crept up just as a man was telling his companion about a dream. The man said, I had this dream. And in my dream, a loaf of barley bread came tumbling down into the Midianite camp. It hit a tent, it turned it over, and it knocked it flat. His companion answered, your dream can only mean one thing. God has given Gideon, son of Joash, the Israelite, victory over Midian and its allies. And when Gideon heard the dream and its interpretation, he bows in worship before the Lord. He returns to the Israelite camp, and now he shouts, get up! For the Lord has given you victory over the Midianite hordes. And they go, and 300 men, they have these clay pots. They put torches in them. They break the clay pot all at the same time. The army sees the torches all around them, and they fight one another. And, and the army doesn't, the 300 men don't even have to fight anybody. They just chase them down. Right? Talk about God winning a battle for them. It was just incredible what happened. So I look at all of that, and I look and I say, what's going on here? God says, it's go time, Gideon. And Gideon's like, uh, yeah, I'm just not feeling it, God. And God goes, hey, Gideon, if you need a moment, if you're afraid right now, I want to do something to encourage you, right? Just go down and listen in. And God causes this whole thing to happen. Like, I don't, was it a day before, two days before this dream had to happen? Why is this guy telling his neighbor about the dream right now? Can you see how the puzzle pieces are just like, it's a big puzzle and God is putting them all down, laying them all down. And then he says to Gideon, if you're afraid, go down and listen. Listen in on what's going on. 
And all of a sudden, Gideon's not afraid anymore. Why? Because he's heard God. God has met him in the middle of his fear. And that's what God does for, me, for you and I. You may be afraid at times. I may be afraid at times. But God comes right in the middle of our fears. And he's like, hey, if you're afraid, I want you to go listen into something. Because you're going to hear that, that I'm going ahead of you. And I think at this moment, Gideon finally understood, oh my gosh, God is going to fight this battle. Like, this is just too incredible. So here's what courage looks like. We, we talked about you got to have courage to be a mom. Mom, courage is doing the right thing even when you're afraid. Right? For all of us, courage is doing the right thing. Think about all the, all the situations you find yourself in. Sometimes it's hard to do the right thing, isn't it? Sometimes we may make mistakes, and I like to say this phrase, well, then what's the next right thing? Right? Just because I made a mistake doesn't mean I, I've got to keep making mistakes. No, let me stop. Let me turn to God and say, God, what's the next right thing that I can be doing right now? But courage is doing the right thing even when we're afraid. Gideon was not the man of power for the hour when God came and approached him. He's like, no, God, I don't have anything. God, on purpose, takes his army from 32,000 to 10,000 to 300 to show us one thing. It doesn't depend on us, right? We can't fight the battle in our own strength. We've got to turn it over to God and say, God, you fight the battle. So what's facing you today? Moms, maybe you're worried about one of your kids. Maybe it's a younger kid. Maybe it's an adult kid. You're worried. You know what? We've got to turn our kids over to God. We've got to give them to God. Maybe your marriage is in trouble. Maybe you're having problems at work and you're not sure what to do. Maybe your finances are a mess and you just see the bills mounting and the income is not equaling the, the outcome. Courage is doing the next right thing even when you're afraid. John 10.10 says this, The thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. And I've come that they might have life and they might have it more abundantly. So, you know, sometimes I look at this word courage and I'm like, God, I want to have more courage. But here's where I might find myself. The enemy tries to discourage us, right? So the enemy comes to steal. He takes away from our courage. And now what do we got? When he takes away from our courage, we got discourage, right? So we're walking around in discouragement. We're walking around in fear. We're walking around in anxiety, just feeling overwhelmed. That's the enemy coming in and stealing what God has for us, right? The enemy is the one, but God for Gideon and God for us, he comes right in the middle of the fear and says, hey, if you're afraid, Come here for a minute. I got something for you. And he, he showed Gideon to listen in onto that dream and, and then to have faith arise in him. God told Gideon, don't fear. I'm going to fight the battle for you. Don't try to do it in your own strength. Turn to me and it'll be like you're fighting one person. And actually, Gideon didn't even have to fight one person. They broke the clay pots. All the guys fought one another. They just had to chase after him. He didn't even fight one person. It was easier than God said it would be. So if if I'm going to close today, I want to ask us a couple of questions. What does God see in you and I that we don't? Right? You may be here today and you don't know Jesus. God saw you before you were born. And he's like, I want a relationship with you. Maybe you've been here and, and you've known Jesus at one point in your life and now you're walking away from him. God says, I see you. I still desire after you. God's chasing after us. And God says, would you come to the cross? Would you come 
where it says here, this in, in Romans 10, that if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe it in your heart, you will be saved. Right? To call Jesus Lord, it's not like, okay, Jesus, I got the wheel and now you sit in the passenger seat. No, if he's going to be Lord, it's like, no, Jesus, you take the wheel. I'm going to sit in the passenger seat. Right? We've got to give him lordship of our life. We've got to say, Jesus, I'm, you gave your life to me. Now I'm going to give my life back to you. And that's what it means to believe in our heart. Because many of us, we come, we approach Jesus, and we believe in our head. And we're like, oh, yeah, I, I believe in God, sure. I believe Jesus is Lord, sure. Well, that's a head belief. People with head beliefs come into churches all day long and leave churches all day long, and they never experience that relationship with Jesus, which is believing in your heart. That's the difference, all right? So what does God see in you? What does God see in me that we don't? God says he will fight our battle and he'll meet us in our fears right in that moment to encourage us. So what is it that you're walking through right now where maybe you're like, yeah, this is scary. The bad guys are coming. They're trying to steal my grain. You're just like Gideon. You're in the wine press. You're doing it the hardest way possible to get the grain because of your fear. And God says, yeah, you know what? You don't have to be afraid. I will come and meet you. I will come and fight the battle for you. So where do you need encouragement we would love to agree with you with prayer. Did you know that we've got a prayer team every Sunday that comes? We've got people assigned here to come and to pray with you. So whatever you're going through, we want to encourage you. We want to pray with you. Would you stand with me as we close here in a minute? <clears throat> I know that God is here. We felt him all service long. There's, there's a theme in this service that God is fighting our battles for us. And even as we, we gave God our battles earlier when we started, uh, before we started the, the message, I still feel like there's people uh, here that you're holding on to something, and God wants to set you free. So I'm going to invite you as I close in prayer. The prayer team is going to be down here. Would you come forward and pray with someone today? If you don't know Jesus, you don't have a personal relationship with Jesus, come and ask someone after service about that. If you've, if you've known the Lord and you've walked away, let today be the day that you come back. Moms, if there's something on your heart about your kids, you're worried about something in life, come. Let us pray with you. All right, let's, let's go before the Lord in prayer. Father, I thank you that you're here in our midst. I thank you that you want to meet every need. Lord, I, I thank you that even in the midst of our fear, you come to encourage us. You come to give us hope. You come to say, Lord, you're going to fight the battle for us. So God, once again, we, we take our battles, we take our situations, we put them at the foot of your cross. Jesus, would you work in our midst? Would you heal those that need to be healed today? Would you deliver those that need to be delivered? Save those that don't know you personally, God. We ask all these things in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen, amen. Moms, happy Mother's Day. Please get a gift on your way out. Thank you so much for being here. Prayer team will be up front. Come on up and we'll pray with you.